One other thing I want to bring to your attention is, is uh, we have an upcoming baptism. We haven't had one for quite a while due to the pandemic, and we're excited to have an upcoming baptism on August 29th, the last Sunday of the month. It's going to be at 1 p.m., so you'll have some time after the service to grab a bite of lunch, and then we're going to have the baptism at uh, West County Assembly of God on North Outer 40 Road, and you can uh, find that address in your bulletin as well. And so if you haven't been baptized since you've become a believer, we encourage you to be baptized. And uh, to do that, you sign up on your Connect card or just talk to me. We'll get you on the list this week. We'll actually be uh, sending out an email to everyone who signed up to be baptized with some instructions uh, and uh, try to answer any questions you might have. If you have further questions, feel free to contact me. And that baptism is also open to people who aren't being baptized. If you're being baptized, invite your friends, invite your relatives to watch. And uh, also people in the church, we encourage you to come to watch others being baptized and put that on your calendar for August 29th in the afternoon. Well, today we're continuing in a message series which I've called Stages of Life. And in this series, we're looking at five stages of life that we all pass through as we are on life's journey. Last Sunday, we looked at the very first stage, which was basically childhood through the teen years, and we called that message growing up. And um, it's not out there on, the, on our website yet, but it should be uh, there this coming week. Today's message is entitled Young Adult Challenges. We're going to look at the second stage of life, people who are in their 20s. Now, as I've said in these other stages, each of us is only in one of these five stages. So you might say, well, the other four don't apply to me. Well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe they're ahead of you. Uh, maybe they're behind you. But we all know people in each of these stages. And so this message is going to help us to understand where people are at in these different stages, how we can encourage them, uh, how we can help them, and if we're going through a stage, uh, how God wants to work in and through our lives. So in this second stage we're looking at today, and people in their 20s, they make many important decisions in life. Decisions such as career, marriage, major purchases. And outside of spiritual cho uh, choices, I would say the biggest decision that many people in their 20s make is whom to marry. Now why is that such a big decision? Well, it's, uh, some people are laughing. It's a big decision, and the reason that it's is a, a really big decision that was designed by God to be a lifelong commitment. Now, careers maybe used to be lifelong commitments. Um, sometimes they still are. Most of the time they're not. People do a lot of different things in life these days. Uh, you buy a car, it's not going to, let me, don't want to pop any bubbles, it's not going to last for a lifetime. You buy a car, it's only going to last so long. Other things are only going to last so long, but a marriage is intended by God to be a lifelong commitment. Now, when the Bible says that, that in marriage, two people become one flesh. They become one in the Lord. And so it's very important that young adults pursue God's guidance in deciding whom to marry. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And so when it's the Lord who brings two people together in marriage, that marriage will be blessed by the Lord. 
And sometimes young adults think that I've got to go out searching for somebody to marry. And I go from place to place to place looking for the one that God has for me. I have to search for them. And they might become worried. If years pass after college and they have not yet found the one they believe God has for them. But the Bible teaches that as we seek God's kingdom first, He's going to meet all of our needs. And those needs include finding a believing spouse, if you are a believer here this morning. Genesis 2.22 talks about the very first marriage. Verse 22, And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, that's Adam, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. That was Eve. So in this very first marriage in the Garden of Eden, God brought Eve to Adam. God is the ultimate matchmaker. He wants to bring a spouse into every believing young adult's life or most young adult's life. So as a young adult, you don't have to chase after a mate thinking life doesn't really begin until marriage. Be patient. Wait for God's timing. Don't settle for somebody who's not the right match for you. Now, you're not going to find the perfect person. But you're going to find someone who matches you spiritually, intellectually, emotionally. And while you're single, God has a plan for your life during that stage as well. Use that phase of your life, the lifetime of singlehood, to serve God. And that's going to prepare you for the future. So let's talk a little bit about living the single life. Proverbs 4.21 says, Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them in your heart. Now the them here is the word of God, the instructions of God. And we are to keep that in our view. We are to keep that within our hearts. Much of today's culture values things that are not godly and actually devalues godly things. How can a person keep God's word within their heart? Well, it's by reading it, by studying it each and every day, thinking about it, seeking to apply it to your life, to your life, to obey it. As we already noted, the principles of God's word are essential to making wise decisions. Our decisions need to be made based on the principles of God's word. And these instructions of God create a, a guard around the lives of single young people, of single young adults. The next verse goes on to say in Proverbs, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. So the word of God brings life to us. It brings healing to us. It is so important. You see, God's word is not just ink spots on a page. It's not a thing. Following God's instruction brings spiritual life into those who find them. God's word brings healing to those who value them. God's word brings physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. Paul writes in the New Testament about the differences between single and married life. In 1 Corinthians 7.32, he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. Now, at this point in his ministry, Paul was single. We're not sure if he was always single, if he was married, his wife died or whatever. But during his whole ministry, he was a single man. He writes that a single person can completely focus on the things of God in their life. 
And that is one of the advantages of being single. As a single adult, you have no immediate family responsibilities. You don't have a wife or husband to look after. You don't have children to feed and clothe and uh, do the other things you do with your children. You can focus on the things of God. Directing your full attention to serving the Lord. So there are advantages that Paul talks about in the single stage of life that all of us go through. Some go through for a longer period than others. and Some are called by God a few to be single like Paul for uh, the rest of their life. On the other hand, it says, the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And so a married person is concerned about other things than himself, other things than simply serving the Lord, although taking care of your family is serving the Lord. But Paul is, is making a point here. They have to support their entire family. Now, in this verse, worldly things is not a negative, uh, a negative phrase. It's, it's simply seeing, saying you have responsibilities. You have responsibilities for your spouse, responsibilities for your children, and those are things that are ways that you are to serve the Lord, uh, but they are different than the responsibilities of a single person. If you read the whole passage, you learn that God calls some to remain single for a longer period than normal, or perhaps for the rest of their life. And that's, that's not wrong, it's not bad. It's a minority. God calls most people to be married and to serve others in that state. Young adults who are single should be focused on pleasing God, living for Him in the state that God has for them, keeping their eyes open, but trusting God to bring them the one that He has for them. Now, as I said before, every person goes through a single stage in their life, right? Nobody is born married. So uh, you, you, everybody goes through this single stage. And God decides how long that stage is going to last as you seek his kingdom first. So as we said before, the life of a young adult should not be consumed with searching for a mate. I'm not saying don't ignore it, but that shouldn't be the only focus in your life. The life of a single person of any age should be concentrated on serving God and seeking his kingdom first. And as you keep God at the center of your life, you're going to prepare yourself for the marriage that God has for most young adults. Each stage of life prepares you for the next stage, if you seek God within it. And so use your greater freedom as a single person to do great things for God. And that will prepare you for the marriage that God has for you with another single who is serving God wholeheartedly as well. God wants every believing young adult to marry another believing young adult. And God is the ultimate matchmaker. He will bring the mate he has for you in his timing. I know that from my own experience. I was single for a long, a long time. I wasn't married till I was 38. So I had a long single period of time. But God ultimately brought a wonderful wife into my life. And we had a few children. So uh, we had, if you don't know me, we have seven. So just because you get married late doesn't mean... Uh, you're not going to have your quiver full. <clears throat> right, second uh, young adult challenge we want to talk about is to remain pure. 
1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So one of the primary temptations of the single life is to disregard the moral boundaries of God's Word. One of the primary temptations of a young adult in today's world is to engage in sexual activity outside of marriage. In America today, over half of all marriages are preceded by the couple living together before marriage. Over 40% of children in America are born to parents who are not married. And God's Word teaches us, we're going to clearly, what His standards are. Half of all professing Christians think today that living together before marriage is acceptable if the couple has dated more than six months. I don't know where that comes from, but anyhow, that's a, that's a common perception, unfortunately. But God's Word is clear. Sex of any kind outside of marriage between a man and a woman is sin. It's wrong. Sex outside of marriage brings negative consequences to both partners. The popular opinion is, we're going to try this thing out and see if it works. If it doesn't work, then we're not going to get married. If it works, we're going to get married, and so we'll test this out. Well, actually, they're thinking that the odds of the marriage working is greater if you live together beforehand. Statistics tell us the exact opposite is true. If you live together before marriage, the chances of divorce are greater than if you don't live together before marriage. And we could have figured that out from God's Word. Sin always has negative consequences. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And so this verse contrasts sanctification on one hand with sexual immorality on the other. So what is sanctification? Well, sanctification is an ongoing process in which we become, to put it simply, more and more like Jesus. In which we grow in God. In which we sin less and live for God in greater consecration. God's will for young adults, young adult believers, is to pursue sanctification and holiness. And part of sanctification is staying away from sexual sins of all kinds. Now, all sexual sins begin where? In the mind. That's where all sins begin. It begins in the mind. And everybody thinks, well, who cares what I'm thinking? Well, thoughts lead to attitudes which lead to actions and and so the battle begins in the mind. And so part of sanctification is staying as far away from sexual sins of all kinds. Not just things you do with another person, but things you think about, things you watch on the internet. And the list goes on and on. Walking in purity involves staying away from media that's on the little thing that's in everybody's pocket, that tends to inflame sexual passions and create lustful thoughts and can even lead to inappropriate relations with other people. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so this verse says, what does it say we're supposed to do about, well, a young person is supposed to do, like a person of any age, not that these temptations go away when you escape your 20s, 
What are we supposed to do? It says flee. Like run as fast as you can in the other direction. There's a classic story in the Old Testament of Joseph. Who was Potiphar's wife attempted to seduce him. And he ran. He ran out of the house. And he was uh, falsely accused. Ended up in prison. But he kept himself pure. And God raised him up into a position of authority. Eventually gave him a, a wonderful godly wife. So flee. Run away from ungodly youthful passions. And as you're running away from them, what are you running towards? You're running towards pursuing righteousness. You're running towards pursuing God, you're running towards pursuing, becoming more and more like Jesus. And who is going to be pursuing righteousness? Well, it says, along with those who call on God from a pure heart. You want to be around other people who are calling on God from a pure heart, who are running in the right direction. The people that you hang out with are also very, very important. Those who surround themselves with friends who are pursuing worldly passions who are not pursuing God, are going to find it difficult to remain pure. But if you surround yourself with godly friends, people who are pursuing God, running away from sin, they're going to strengthen you. They're going to encourage you in the right direction. Let's talk for a minute about sanctification, the process of growing in holiness. Now, sanctification contrary to what a few churches teach, is not a one-time event. I mean, it would be really nice, wouldn't it? I would sign up for it. Okay, I want to be sanctified from now on. I'm never going to sin. I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be perfect. It doesn't work that way. Nobody ever is, goes into a sinless lifestyle. Only Jesus lived a sinless life. Sanctification is not a one-time event. It's an ongoing process. It's a process that continues throughout life. Becoming more and more like Jesus. And it is possible to become more and more like Jesus, even though you never quite get there, do we? There's always more. As long as we're alive and breathing, we've got more areas of our life to be sanctified in. But it's not that we're not growing. It's not that we aren't becoming more like Him. We are. We should be. And when one surrounds themselves with godly friends, they're strengthened to remain pure as they pursue righteousness together. And that is, that is one of the many benefits of a church family. To have others that you know who are pursuing God along with you. One myth that is prevalent even among believers is that your friends need to be people exactly, exactly like you. Uh, and so, exactly your age, uh, exactly your Skin color, you know, just look for, I just want to be around people exactly like me. But the Bible teaches the exact opposite of this belief. And we could spend a long time on that. But there is great power in what Mike might call godly diversity. The, the family of God is made up of people of different ages. It's made of people of different economic uh, situations. People with different careers, people from different countries, people of different skin colors. And the beauty of the kingdom is that we all work together to serve God. And there is strength in that diversity. You know, we were at General Council this past week in Orlando, Florida, with about 17,000 other 
people, it happens every two years, we're in the Assemblies of God and we're worshiping God together, celebrating Him. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was just amazing, the, the uh, diversity. The Assemblies of God is becoming a, a very diverse uh, movement across the whole world. People from every nation in the United States, uh, many, many... Uh, uh, we, we were in Orlando, Florida, so we had a lot of Latinos preaching to us. And powerful men and women of God that God is using. Uh, God is moving greatly in the, in the Latino uh, element of society in Florida and, and around the whole nation. But let me talk a bit about age with young adults. Young adults, the Bible teaches, uh, young adults like to be with young adults. It's not wrong to be friends with young adults, other young adults. But who are young people supposed to learn from? They're supposed to learn from people who are older in the faith. They are to learn from their elders, more mature believers who have grown in the years in holiness. I mean, when you go to school, is your teacher a member of the class? No, it's somebody who's gone to school, they've learned, they know more than their classmates, and they teach. They can learn from a teacher, and the same is true in spiritual matters. And this was brought out in this conference over and over again, that young adults need to be mentored by older, older people in the Lord in order to reach their full potential. And through these kind of relationships in a church family, young adults can remain pure. Next challenge for young adults in their 20s is often to establish their families. I'm talking about finding a mate and then establishing a family as children come into the picture. Ephesians 5.33 says, Let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So establishing a family, as we already mentioned, as a young adult involves finding the spouse that God has chosen for you. And the Bible teaches that in marriage, the man and the woman should be equally yoked. They should be, both should be believers. That is God's best. And I believe that the Bible teaches that God has a specific believer chosen for a loving or for a believing young adult to marry. I know there's people who teach, oh, you could marry a million people and be happy. Um, I don't agree with that. I think God has a plan for each person's life, and God has a plan for the person that a young adult is to marry, and I believe he's going to bring you together in his timing. And oftentimes he uses very unusual ways to bring people together uh, in perhaps what seems like the unlikeliest of circumstances. If you're seeking God's will as a young adult, as you're following his direction, you're going to find that one that he has for you because he's going to bring the two of you together. Believe that. Pray for that. And in his timing, he will do that. Now, does that mean that every believing young adult is going to marry God's choice? I would say no. God has a lot of different plans for each of our lives. Does any one of us perfectly follow God's plan for our life? No, we make mistakes, but God never gives up on us. And there are times 
when a person marries someone who is not God's choice for them. But after they marry them, they become God's choice. Uh, they are then to, God is going to be with them in that marriage. God is going to strengthen them. If the person is not a believer, then they are to pray for that person to become a believer so that they will be united together. And God does miracles. He saves people and, and takes situations that perhaps were not the best and brings out uh, his plan and purpose for that relationship. The whole passage in Ephesians chapter 5 talks about the marriage relationship. This verse we just read instructs the husband to love the wife and for the wife to respect her husband. And as both partners grow in following God's instruction together and serving God together, the marriage is going to flourish. Let's talk a minute about children. Deuteronomy 6 verse 6 says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you, are, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And so children are a blessing that God brings into a marriage as a family is established. Children are not a burden. Children are a blessing. A blessing from God. And the primary responsibility for teaching the children that God brings into a family rests with the parents. Parents are to teach their children in the home the word of God. And this, these verses right here are clear instruction for parents to teach their children in the home. I believe that's something that should go on in one respect or another each and every day. Parents should pray and seek to lead each of their children to salvation at an early age in life. Of course, teaching children about God also bring them to the church family. Bring them to church where they'll receive additional instruction. But sometimes parents think, well, if I bring my kids to church on Sunday morning, they're in a children's class for an hour, that should do it, right? I did my part. Well, I believe... Seldom bringing children to church on Sunday mornings for an hour and not teaching them God's word at all in the home is not going to lead to a child diligently walking after God. They need to be taught by their parents. Uh, they need to, and the parents are going to learn as they teach their children. And so that is part of establishing a godly family. Psalm 127, verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. And so, <clears throat> children are gifts from God. They're a reward to their parents. And what are children? They are the next generation of believers. They're going to carry the torch of the gospel to the world. One day, the parents are going to be gone, and the children are going to carry on. And our prayers for our children should be they'll ultimately take the cause of Christ further than we've taken it. That they were, as it were, standing on our shoulders will we'll advance God's call, God's purposes beyond where we have taken it. Important part of young adult life is to establish their family in the Lord's timing and in His way. Now let's talk a little bit about family. Marriage between one man and one woman was created by God, made clear by God in Genesis chapter 1, 
endorsed by Jesus, who quoted the words of Genesis 1. It's the only sexual relationship that God blesses, marriage between one man and one woman. The most important decision that a believing young adult can make in this life stage. Studies show that a relationship that the parents of both partners endorse has the greatest probability of long-term success. And so young adults should seek the counsel of their parents in their dating relationships. Now, raising children and raising godly children in a decadent culture is not easy, but God is there to help young families raise their children up for the Lord. And so in a Christian family, there are wonderful responsibilities, or wonderful blessings and big responsibilities. But God is there to help establish families that honor Him. And so the age in which we live has, has many challenges that young adults face. And yet it's also an exciting time to live as young adults follow the Lord in all their decisions. And as you live life as a young single adult, guard your heart. There are so many things coming at you in so many directions that can take you away from putting God first in your life. Guard your heart by keeping your heart in God's Word, day in and day out. Don't view your time of singleness as simply a waiting period for marriage. The time of being single is a unique period in life in which you can serve the Lord undistracted by other responsibilities as you prepare for the marriage that God has for you one day. Seek God's help to remain pure in thought and action. Flee from impurity. That means stay as far away from it as possible. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean it's right. Pursue holiness in every aspect of life. Don't be afraid to be different than those around you. There's so much peer pressure. I want to be like everybody else. Hey, was Jesus like everybody else? He was pretty different, wasn't he? Be different. Walk with God. Let your light shine. Follow Jesus, not the crowd. Finally, follow God's direction and godly counsel in finding a spouse to marry. Establish your marriage and your family on biblical principles, and God will bring great blessing into your life as you follow Jesus. Again, for those of you in the young adult stage, the 20s, these words are for you. For the rest of us, for most of us, was in the rearview mirror, right? Uh, for many of us, it's in the rearview mirror, but do we know young adults that we can encourage in these ways? God has placed young adults in our lives that we can mentor, that we can counsel, that we can teach so that they follow God. So this morning, I want to give everyone here an opportunity to become a follower of Jesus Christ. We do this every Sunday. It's, it's not a difficult thing, but it is um, a very profound decision that's going to impact your life for eternity. To become a follower of Jesus Christ, first of all, you need to admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. You need to repent and turn away from those sins. The Bible says we all have sinned. We're all in the same boat. We all have to admit it. Secondly, we need to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven. He paid the penalty for our sin. Difficult concept to understand, but it's true. Jesus is the only hope we have. 
for forgiveness. Ask him to forgive you, to come into your life. You see, he's not dead. He rose from the dead three days later. He's alive today. And you commit yourself to following him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. I encourage you to pray with me a simple prayer. If you haven't prayed it before, or perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to the Lord this morning as well. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. But today, I acknowledge those sins. I repent. I turn away from them. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, took my sins upon himself, paid the price that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I believe you rose from the dead. You're alive today. And I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. For the rest of us, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for the clear teaching on your word, in your word, for young adults. And of course, much of that applies to us in other stages as well. God, we pray that those who are single, that you would help them as they live that single life, that they would seek your kingdom first, that they would use this time of singleness not to worry about finding a, a mate, not to worry about what the future holds, but to seek your kingdom first with everything they have to make good use of that period in their lives. God, we pray for them that in this stage of life, this single stage of life, that they would remain pure, that they would flee from any type of sexual sin, God, that they would remain pure following after you with, with, with everything your word teaches. We pray that you would surround each young adult that we know with other godly young adults and older believers that could counsel them, that could teach them, that could mentor them. We pray that young adults would not fall for the temptation that they just simply need to learn from other young adults. We pray that they would seek to learn from those older, more mature in the Lord, their parents, other godly people that God brings into their lives. We pray as they look to one day establish a family, and many, you may have already promised them that you are going to bring a spouse into their lives. God, we pray that they would be patient, that they would wait for your timing, that they wouldn't put life on hold until that happens, or if it doesn't happen by a, a certain date they have in their mind, they think it's passed them by. We pray that they would trust you, God, that at the right time, you would bring the right person that you have prepared for them into their life, another believer that they can become one with and serve you with wholeheartedly. We pray, God, for the young adults in our country that are bombarded with so many negative things. We pray, God, that you would raise up a generation that would bring revival, God, to our land a generation that would seek hard after you and see great things happen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.